Inside the Magic presents this special edition of Backstage Pass for Halloween 2009. Hi everybody, this is Jay. And this is Mark. And we'd like to welcome you to Backstage Pass. We take you behind the magic and inside Disney history. Pulling back the curtains and letting you see the Disney magic and history up close. With an eclectic mix of entertaining topics, humor, and tons of information and details, we want to keep you learning and smiling. So here is your Backstage Pass. travelers to the great big universe of XS. XS Tech is number one in electro-robotics, cryo-cybernetics, techno-surveillance, planetary restructuring, genetic engineering, and hyperspatial transport. We will seize the future with XS. The following was recorded on October 11th, 2003. It was an audio track from a video recorder that was accidentally turned on, according to the owner. The lens cap was not removed, so no video is available for verification. This incident does not appear in the records of the Orange County Sheriff's Department or the Osceola County Sheriff's Office. This recording was, until recently, in the possession of the FBI, and they remain the sole investigating agency on this matter. Get in here, come on! Yeah, okay, okay. Come on, this way. Jay, you're bleeding. I know, it's okay. Man, I thought I was a goner. Good thing our interview was, was after park hours, or park guests would be easy pickings for that thing. It would have killed hundreds. One second we're talking to that cast member dressed as the excess tech technician, and then the next minute it's total destruction. You're not kidding. Don't you think it was weird that the cast member was still in costume? I don't know, but it was really well done makeup. She really did look like she was from another planet. Yeah, but I told you not to touch any control buttons when she left the room. I know. I just wanted to take a look in that receiving tube. Ow! Ow! Uh, your foot is facing the wrong direction. Oh. No wonder I'm having trouble walking. Can you make it to this boat? I think so. Man, did you have to pick It's a Small World to hide in? I mean, jeez. Could you have picked Peter Pan or Pooh for Pete's sake? Well, it was the closest spot, and you weren't moving very fast. Uh, maybe I should have just left you out in the park as an appetizer for that thing. Uh, no. Are you coming? Yes. Let me get out. Let me get in. Ow, 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 ow. Okay. All right, I'm in. Okay. Let's get this thing moving. Ugh, this water is kind of gross and foamy. Okay, all right. Let me just climb up here. Okay, there. Hey, you're sitting on my finger. 
What? I wrapped it up in that handkerchief. You just sat on it. Oh. Sorry. Here. Man. I hope they can reattach it after this nightmare's over. Well, I certainly hope so. We'll float deeper into the attraction and find a place to hide until that thing is recaught. Hey, this looks like a fairly easy spot to get off. Oh, come on. Not by the singing geese. Please, Mark, anywhere but here. Come on. <sighs> okay. Okay. Just let me shove this boat down the canal. <sighs> Nothing should be able to follow us too easily now. Get back here behind this stuff. Ow. I'm trying. Oh. <sighs> Okay, that thing won't find us in here. W will it? Oh, I hope not. Maybe this music will act like kryptonite and keep it away. Ow, ow, ow. Oh. Let me see that leg. Here, I'll take my windbreaker. See if we can make a tourniquet. Yeah, how about a tourniquet for my ears? This music is driving me insane. Someone please turn off this music. Whoa! Uh, so much for the kryptonite, huh? Must have lost power. Ow! This tourniquet is tight. Man, I wonder if the whole park is out. Huh. Park security may have cut power to try and disorient that thing. Okay, move your leg that way. Ow. That should hold for a while. Man, this is freaking me out. That thing is still out there. It almost got us, Mark. I know, man. Fantasyland looked like a war zone. Dumbo ride vehicles tossed around, the castle on fire. Man, are you sure that thing won't find us in here? Man, I really feel like I'm gonna pass out. No, no, no. Come on. Stay with me here. You're a little shocky. Here's some kind of fabric blackout screen. Let me just pull this. Okay. There, that ought to keep you warmer. What was that? Some part of the attraction, probably, or, or maybe our boat made it to the far end. We need to take your mind off this, and I need you to focus here. I know. We were working on that attraction history piece for the Disney magazine. Right. On extraterrestrial alien encounter. That's why we're here in the park after hours, for a backstage tour of the attraction. Yeah, let, let's think about what we know about the alien encounter attraction, and then we can write our article when we get out of this mess. Okay. That might be a good idea. Take my mind off that thing out there. <sighs> Sitting here in the dark and it's a small world is just plain creepy all by itself. Okay, okay. Um, I'll start. Let's see what I can remember. The extraterrestrial alien encounter attraction opened in the Magic Kingdom's Tomorrowland in uh, 1995. Yep. It was a radical departure for Disney theme parks. Uh, wait a minute, I need to stretch my leg a little bit. Okay. Michael Eisner had apparently commissioned a marketing survey geared toward teens after his own teenage son called the Magic Kingdom lame, and he decided that more thrill-based attractions were needed. Now, Imagineers were already talking and designing a thrill-based attraction around a movie, just like they'd done some years earlier for Star Wars with the ride simulator Star Tours attraction. They thought the Alien movie series could be just what teenage adventure seekers might be looking for. The initial concepts would simulate a ride around the darkened spacecraft Nostromo, trying to rescue the crew and hunt aliens with laser cannons. 
Sounds a little like a early, less family-friendly version of Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin. Yeah. The idea was deemed too scary and didn't make any real headway until the need came up to shut down the old theater-in-the-round Mission to Mars attraction and revamp it. Then the idea was blended in with new binaural 3D audio systems that Disney was developing. Mix that in with the nasty creature from the Alien movie series breaking out of the theater, and Imagineers felt that they had the makings of a state-of-the-art attraction with real teen appeal. Eisner apparently loved the idea, hoping the attraction could be duplicated at other Disney parks, and he hoped it was a continuation of blending theme park attractions and hit movie franchises like they did with Star Wars and the developing Indiana Jones adventure. Um, but I don't think everyone in upper-level management was really sold on the idea of bringing the alien into the most family-oriented of the Disney parks. George Lucas, who'd worked with Disney on developing the Star Tours ride and was now working on the indie ride at the time, was apparently asked to give his thoughts on bringing the Alien franchise to Disney World. And he apparently also felt it wasn't a great fit. This was probably quite a blow to the team who had designed the attraction around the easily recognized monster from the Alien movies. Could the attraction be reworked without the starring monster? Imagineering labored on a new script and came up with XS Tech, an alien conglomerate who were seeking to profit from less advanced planets with technologies including electro-robotics, cryo-cybernetics, techno-surveillance, planetary restructuring, genetic engineering, hyperspatial transport, and interplanetary teleportation. The show was conceived in three parts. The pre-show which introduces excess tech to the audience, and then a product demonstration of hyperspatial transport hosted originally by TOM2000, which stood for Technobotic Oratorical Mechanism Series 2000, and then later by SIR, which stood for Simulated Intelligence Robotics, who attempt to transport a small alien called Skippy from one end of the room to the other with excess text device which breaks down the subject's molecular pattern, transports it, and then reconstitutes it into the receiving tube. Unfortunately, Skippy ends up somewhat singed in the process. The final part was placed in the former Mission to Mars in the Round Theater, which surrounds an even larger receiving tube. XS Tech's management supervisor Spinlock and Dr. Femus attempt to transport a selected volunteer to demonstrate how the hyperspatial transport can span the width of an entire galaxy. But just when the volunteer is about to be transported to XS headquarters, XS Tech chairman L.C. Clinch interrupts the proceedings and has decided to transport himself to Earth so he can meet guests and answer questions about the wonders of XS personally. The XS Tech team complies with the chairman's request, but runs into trouble receiving the signal and accidentally beams a large, unidentified alien into the tube, one that is winged and carnivorous. And so the fun begins. The alien is able to break out of the teleportation tube and a subsequent power loss causes the force field to go down as well. The guests are plunged into darkness and feel the alien fly overhead, perch on their chairs, breathe down their necks, and flick their hair with its tongue. Finally, power is restored, although not without the loss of a cast member and some blood dripping from the ceiling, Dr. Femus screams from the tube speakers, luring the alien back toward the tube, apparently to eat her, and they cause the creature to explode with a power boost, spewing bits of vaporized alien over the guests and into the viewing area. During the soft openings for this show, Michael Eisner decided that making the show less scary had subsequently weakened it. He told them to go ahead and make it more menacing. And thus, the large warning signs were posted outside the theater. Alien Counter uses quite a few well-known actors for its roles. Tyra Banks performs as the initial XS Tech representative in the pre-show area, 
Elsie Clinch is played by Jeffrey Jones of Ferris Bueller's Day Off fame. Kevin Pollack of Willow, L.A. Story, and Avalon plays the part of Spinlock. And Dr. Femus is played by Kathy Najimi, who was in Sister Act and Veronica's Closet. The late Phil Hartman from Saturday Night Live and News Radio did the voice of Tom 2000, which was replaced in the revamp with Tim Curry, famous for acting and voice work, who did a much more sinister robot. Danny Mann voiced Skippy, the alien who gets scorched. Now Mann has done voices on many cartoons including The Smurfs, The Tick, Rugrats, Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, and Darkwing Duck. All of the movie sequences were directed by Jerry Reese, who directed Cinemagique, Rock and Roller Coaster, Dinosaur, Sounds Dangerous, The Brave Little Toaster, and Cranium Command. The transportation tubes used to transport the alien Skippy were simple devices which used two audio animatronics in separate tubes, hidden at different times by strategically placed mirrors, which hid Skippy when needed. The chairs in the attraction were also unique. Ron Dixon, production designer for Alien Encounter, recounts that the guest sensing unit, or guest seat, used in the Alien Encounter show was a complex assembly including a steel frame, fiberglass enclosure, die cast and machined parts, cast urethane elastomers, vinyl panels, binaural audio, breath effect, and lighting. Also, it was to be installed in a theater with round aisles of varying diameters. The unit was split into halves on the center of the guest, not in between the seats as would normally be done. The result was a great looking chair that was fairly complicated. The theater and the round seating helped with the binaural sound effects that came from the highly separated speakers situated in each seat next to the guest's ears. The atmospheric sound effects included crowd noises and screams, creature sounds, and even heartbeats. Pounding vibrations were generated by several banks of 1800-watt subwoofers. The special effects were actually quite simple. Moving the restraining bars up and down to simulate the alien landing on the back of the chair, and water spritzers and air blasters mounted in the back of the chair in front of the guests were used to simulate blood dripping from the ceiling or the final destruction of the alien in the receiving tube when the blast shield doesn't close in time. Warm air vents would simulate the alien's hot breath, and soft cloth tubes had air blown through them to feel like the alien's tongue licking the guest's hair. Now the alien itself was a... Uh, what was that? Um, that's a head from one of the small world figurines, Mark. Move back here. It's coming closer. Slide behind this, come on. Oh, ow, ow. Mark, Mark, give me a hand. Ow, my leg. We are dead. So dead. Jay, help. Ah, it's got my leg. Help me! Jay, hold on! Hold on! Uh, I guess this is goodbye, Mark. You can have my Donald Duck plush collection. Ah! It's the Hulk! Hulk crush alien! Ah! <laughs> it let go, Mark! I don't believe it! It's going after the Hulkster! Ah! 
He, he did it. He killed it. Hulk C. You puny and need help. Hulk help. Alien not bother again. <laughs> um, thanks big guy. Hulk know your face. You guy that was Tinkerbell. Uh, yep, that was me. Flying through the air. Really? Really, Mark? You funny. Hulk go now. Help clean up. Hulk strong. Well, uh, thank you. You saved our lives. Maybe a lot of lives. Hulk likes Mickey. You tell him someday Hulk work for Mickey again. Well, that turned out pretty well, don't you think? Can't quite picture Disney ever working with Marvel Comics, but, uh, but who knows? Oh, here comes the power. No, no, not this music again. Okay, now can I pass out, Mark? No, no, come on, stay with me here, buddy. We'll get you some help right now, come on. Ooh, my video camera's on, I must have bumped it. Walt Disney World permanently closed the extraterrestrial alien encounter attraction the next morning on October 12, 2003. A statement from Disney, however, stated that the shutdown had been a planned closure for construction of a new attraction in the same location. This recorded material has been released under the Uniting and Strengthening Act by providing appropriate tools required to intercept and obstruct Terrorism Act of 2001, Public Law 107-56 also known as the USA Patriot Act. The U.S. Attorney General cautions against drawing any conclusions from the released information and urges citizens to remain calm and understand that this isolated incident still remains under investigation by the FBI. Due to the lack of substantiated proof in this matter, the Bureau is undecided as to the validity of this recording. If you'd like to see our source information for this topic or have questions or comments, please join us on the Inside the Magic forums in the Backstage Pass with Jay and Mark section. This is Jay. And this is Mark saying we'll see you next time Backstage.